Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Ramiumptum Ruminations. <laughs> I said that funny. My name is Scott and I'm the host. Today's episode is called All Time Low. Thanks for coming back to listen to the show. I want to give a content warning for this episode. I'm going to be discussing something deeply personal to me um, to hopefully create some awareness within the community, but to also address um, a problem that I saw in the recent general conference. You may have noticed that I didn't do a recap or a review of the episodes this year. I don't know that I'll do that anymore. When I watch them and when I listen to them all, I'm always going to find things that I like and I'm always going to find things that I don't like. So instead of nitpicking every little thing, I'm selecting one talk that really stood out to me. I think they were well-intentioned, but it didn't come across the way that, I th- that they hoped. Now, the content warning that I, <laughs> I said, I said content warning and then I didn't even say what it was. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing suicidal ideation. So if that is a sensitive topic for you, maybe skip this one. If you want to hear about my experience with those thoughts and being a member of the church. So this episode, I'm going to be covering the talk by Elder Holland from the uh, April 2022 General Conference called Fear Not, Believe Only. Now, the title of this episode is a reference to a song from the comedy special by Bo Burnham uh, called Inside. (laughs) I have thought about doing an episode about that comedy special because it's amazing and it hit me on so many deep emotional levels. But the song All Time Low uh, deals with mental health and anxiety. That whole section of the comedy special, oh man, it hit me so hard. Because Bo Burnham is satirizing exactly what Elder Holland here is doing. In the comedy special, he is satirizing the way that people talk to those of us that have experienced and are experiencing suicidal ideation. And on one hand, yeah, it's helpful. Awareness is great. But on the other hand, the way it's handled doesn't really come across the right way. So I'm going to go over some of his, his comments on the talk. I think that the talk for the most part is excellent. He covers some really great insights. You know, if you're a believer, this is great, but there are some, some problems with what's presented. So before I get too far away from that, if you haven't seen the Bo Burnham special inside and you do have some sort of neurodivergency, you should watch it and it will hit you on so many different levels. There are a couple of his songs where, yes, they're funny, but I just, they just bring me to tears almost every time I listen to them. And my two favorites from the special are the, some of the last couple of songs, uh, namely the, the first called that funny feeling, 
I, I absolutely love that one. And then the next one, All Eyes on Me. Both of those songs just leave me somber and melancholy and happier in just the strangest way. To start this out, I want to relay uh, an exchange that I had on TikTok regarding this specific talk. A user on there posted a clip of it and a clip highlighting precisely the problem that I have with this talk. And I commented very briefly. I didn't say very much. I, I just said something to the lo- along the lines of, as someone who experiences suicidal ideation and in the past experienced it with regularity, I, I just said that this talk is very damaging and the rhetoric needs to change. And a, an active believing member replied and said, if you knew the type of person that Elder Holland is, you would know that it comes from a place of love. But my problem isn't his motivation. I think his motivation for this is genuine. They recognize that there's a problem. They recognize that, that youth are feeling depressed. And most of this talk discussed depression and happiness and how it's something that that so many young people are yearning for and searching for, but they're unable to find. So I think he's coming from a good place. I don't have a problem with where he's coming from. So before I explain what my problem with it is, let me just give a a brief background of myself. So I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here. From a very young age, I, I have experienced suicidal ideation. For as far back as I can recall, my mortality, the temporary and transitive nature of this world was on my mind regularly. And it still is. I recall as a young child around the time of my baptism, worrying about death and thinking about my own death. It wasn't until my young teenage years that, that this Um, shifted into more suicidal ideation with thoughts and questions along the lines of would anyone care? What would it be like? How would people respond? Just wondering. And as I got older and I suffered from worse and worse depression, that line of thought and reasoning got worse and worse. And it was very unhealthy for me. So this particular subject is something that I am intimately familiar with. I am not a licensed professional, so don't expect any advice on how to handle your own problems. I'm just going to explain how I received this message as someone who has suffered from severe depression and suicidal ideation. So I'll do a a brief um, breakdown of his talk. He starts off by saying that he's talking to the youth and anyone younger than President Nelson, which at this point is probably 99% of the population of the planet. Perhaps even... (laughs) Anyway, it was a joke. It was well received. He starts talking about a Dr. Laurie Santos, a professor at Yale, talking about psychology and good life and how so many people are looking for something that they've lost and feeling depressed and down. He recommends 
uh, religion as a source for inspiration, as a source for finding that happiness. And I'm not here to say that that doesn't work. I'm not, I'm not trying to denounce this offer that religion or Mormonism might help because it does. It helps so many people. He refers to the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ as a way to heal and, and feel happiness. And I think that for many people, that is true. Religion is a source of happiness and inspiration and hope for a brighter future. We discussed that in, in all of these chats of the plan of salvation. The whole idea around the plan of salvation is hope for a better world after this one. As a whole, I really don't have a problem with his talk until it comes to nearly the end. So this is the second to last paragraph if you're going to go back and read it. And I'll read the whole paragraph and then I'll discuss uh, my thoughts on it. He says, To any of our youth out there who are struggling, whatever your concerns or difficulties, death by suicide is manifestly not the answer. It will not relieve the pain you are feeling or that you think you are causing. In a world that so desperately needs all the light it can get, please do not minimize the eternal light God put in your soul before the world was. Talk to someone. Ask for help. Do not destroy a life that Christ gave, his life, to preserve. You can bear the struggles of this mortal life because we will help you bear them. You are stronger than you think. Help is available from others and especially from God. You are loved and valued and needed. We need you. Fear not. Believe only. So here's where I'll jump back to uh, the title of this episode and the uh, Bo Burnham special inside. He ends one of his songs, uh, the song called 30, by saying that he'll end his life in 10 years. In that song, he's kind of satirizing aging and he uses the end of it to transition into this concept. He starts talking as if he's talking to someone who's experiencing suicidal ideation. And this is what he says. If you're out there struggling with suicidal thoughts, I just want to tell you, don't. Can you not, please? It's so beautifully cut. It flashes to a projection of that version of himself superimposed over um, a depressed looking version of himself, kind of watching and, and reacting to himself saying that. And from there, he just goes on and he kind of, he satirizes the things that people say in this sort of a scenario when they really don't have anything helpful to say. And then he ends it with, with this line that is, for me, very impactful and indicative of the way someone saying this, the way that they're reacting to it. And he, he ends this whole bit and it's like a very serious moment in the show when it's been funny and laughs up until this point. He says, and again, this is, this is the version of him pretending to give the advice. I've had friends close to me that killed themselves, and I really didn't like it. The way he phrases that, it's, it's meant to be cutting. It's meant to, to show you that the purpose of this discussion isn't for you. It's for them to feel better that they have tried to help and that they've tried to do something to make it better. Or at least that's the perception that it gives to someone who's experiencing these sort of thoughts. 
I want to extend compassion to Elder Holland. I think him addressing this subject is very, very important. I recommend you go and listen to that clip or listen to the whole talk, but listen to the way he says it. The way he is so angry and passionate. He's almost shouting that it's death by suicide is manifestly not the answer. And it, it was very off-putting for me. And although I'm not a believer anymore, I'm not, I don't participate in the church. I just observe it and, and discuss it <laughs> within a strange obsession. <laughs> I can imagine what would have gone through my head if this was something that I heard spoken over the pulpit. Yes, after he says this, this very, very damaging idea, he does recommend getting for help, ask for help, lean on Christ. He says, you know, he's recommending that Christ can help bear your burdens. Help is available from others and from God. Fear not, we need you. When someone is struggling, when I was struggling with these sort of thoughts, anger and harsh rhetoric were not helpful. Saying it will not relieve the pain you're feeling or the pain that you think you're causing. Do not minimize the eternal light that God put in your soul. For me, a large part of my depression was caused by the beliefs I held in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, I want to be clear that I don't put all of my depression and all of my, my mental instability on the church. I was dealing with undiagnosed ADHD, clinical depression. There were a lot of things going on. But some of my darkest thoughts was my mind latching on to concepts of the LDS faith and using them as a way to put myself down and minimize myself. So I doubt Elder Holland is ever going to hear this. I doubt anybody, anything will change from this. But here's what I recommend. Don't shout at someone who's experiencing suicidal ideation that they need to not experience what they're experiencing. Lead with compassion. Encourage people to talk about their feelings. Tell them you love them. Saying it is manifestly not the answer. The world so desperately needs all the light it can get. Do not minimize the eternal light God put in your soul. Saying something like that isn't going to make the thoughts go away. Just because I am medicated now and I have a lot more mental stability than I did does not change the frequency with which I consider my own death. Now I don't do it in an unhealthy way like I used to. But some people are prone to this type of of thinking more than others. I'm advocating for some compassion. And if you are out there listening to me talk about my experience with suicidal ideation and my experience with depression, and you're going through it too, my heart goes out to you. Seek professional help. If medication works or is right for you, take it. It is so helpful for me. So if you have experienced or are experiencing some of the things that I explained that were happening in my own life. The biggest thing that I needed to realize in order to start healing and looking at myself better was to recognize that 
in my depressed state of mind, my brain was skewing reality into a way that didn't match with how the rest of the world saw it. And I needed coaching and help in order to change that and to, to start to heal. I know this has been a heavy subject. I hope that me opening up about it might be helpful to some of you listeners. The world that I grew up in, and this isn't everybody's experience because everyone experiences Mormonism in a different way, influenced by their community, by the way their family practices, by the way you know their, their city or state practices the religion or country. Everybody's experience with this is different, but where I grew up, ideas such as depression and mental health were looked down upon seeking therapy, at least in the culture in the United States of America, for the majority of my life has been looked down upon as something weak. Another aspect of this is something that happens very often to those of us that experience depression or mental illness of one variety or another. The times that I went in and discussed openly the way that I felt, either with family or with priesthood leaders, in my experience, and I'm not saying that this is going to be universal, but in my experience, there was an implication or an understanding that the root cause for my mental illness was unworthiness. And the way I was treated by many of the leaders, I will give an exception. I did have, I did have one bishop who uh, handled it a lot better than others. The implication that many of these priesthood leaders had in these discussions with me was that if I was experiencing depression, the cause of that was some unresolved sin that I needed to repent for. What they didn't understand was that it was a hyper-religiosity, a scrupulosity, a religious OCD that was driving me to this depression. I held myself to a higher standard than what the church expected. And my inability to live up to that made me think worse of myself. And it was a spiral. I knew that I was unable to live up to this. I had very poor feelings about myself because of it. So then I go and I express my feelings to a priesthood leader. And they tell me that I have an unresolved sin that I need to go and, and take care of. And so the implication for the majority of my life was that my mental illness was due to unworthiness. That just exacerbated the situation dramatically taking medication, the understanding that I had growing up was that it's a crutch and that it's can be addictive and it's wrong and you should just pray and God will heal you. One more thing that I forgot to add as I started talking about mental health, um, I completely forgot to say one more thing about um, the way my mind processed this information. I said earlier that I don't put all of my depression in the hands of the church. I mean that. But that isn't to say that there weren't harmful scriptures and harmful teachings that didn't influence the way I processed information. And I'll cite one of them that I latched onto as a young adult. 
And this one comes from Doctrine and Covenants 82, verse 7. It says, And now verily I say unto you, I the Lord will not lay any sin to your charge. Go your way and sin no more. But unto that soul who sinneth shall the former sins return, saith the Lord. The reason that repentance and sin was an unhealthy mental process for me was because every time I made the slightest mistake, in my mind, suddenly all of the sins that I had ever committed in my entire life were back on my head. I was a sinner nigh unto murder. And if you get the reference, then, then you'll understand some of the things that I did as a young adult. And so the, the repentance process was very unhealthy for me because even the slightest mistake made me feel like I was going to hell and that there was nothing I could do about it. Those were the ideas that I went into this depression with. And I tried to do it on my own for so long. So the world that I grew up in discouraged the very tools that I needed to heal. So I will say one more time, I think Elder Holland here had some good things to say at the end, but the way he presented the problem in the beginning was very damaging. There's an emotion I'm feeling right now that I kind of just want to talk about. Sometimes when I watch a show, and this happened recently while watching uh, Barry on HBO, season three for, for those uh, that are familiar with it. Sometimes when you're expressing emotions or reading a story, watching a show, the emotions are so intense and strong that it leaves you drained. You feel emotionally empty and raw and wide open. And that's what I feel right now. I feel wide open the episode of Barry that I'm referring to specifically is season three, episode two. Um, it deals with different types of abuse and it poignantly explores the idea that an abuser can simultaneously be abused by other people in their life. Anyway, after I watched that episode, I just like, I had to put it down and I couldn't keep watching because it was just really intense. And it just kind of left me with just these raw emotions. I don't know why I brought that up other than the fact that discussing something like this, it is emotionally exhausting for me. I know I haven't gone into a lot of the details about the thoughts that I had, but I feel laid bare while discussing this subject. This is something that I have thought a lot about and dealt with for the majority of my life. Frankly, there's so few people in my world that even know that this is something that I dealt with. Opening it up on a public forum like this is, uh, it feels scary. And I hope that me offering this side of myself to you, the listener, will be helpful, if nothing else, to look at other human beings with compassion. You never know what struggles someone is experiencing that they will not talk about, even sometimes to their spouse. You never know that that smiling gospel doctrine teacher who just bore his heart and soul about the, the gospel, you may never know that he went home 
into a very dark space. And that whole happy, cheerful person is just a facade. Everyone experiences happiness and sadness. That's one of the things about this world that we live in. But those of us that have struggled with depression, it is a, a mental block that, for me, prevented me from seeing the happiness and experiencing the happy aspects of life fully. Have compassion for other people. I'll, I'll recommend one more time. For those that did not hear this talk, if you go and listen to it, it's right at the very end, the, the very last paragraph, or the second to last paragraph. Go listen to the audio. The emotion conveyed during some of these sentences, it doesn't hit in the way that I think Elder Holland intended. Relating it back to Bo Burnham one last time, the way that he satirized this sort of a, a counsel that's being given to someone who is experiencing suicidal ideation was almost self-serving to the person giving the advice. And the phrase, in a world that so desperately needs all the light it can get, please do not minimize the eternal light God put in your soul before the world was. It's a sentiment like that paired with the angry tone that he's using when he's saying suicide is manifestly not the answer. It's unhelpful. I recognize that lately the leaders of the church have been addressing mental health and depression, but I would suggest to them so if anybody from the Strengthening Church Members Committee committee is listening, you probably don't send much up the chain that I say, but please send this. Compassion is key. Listening is key. When you recommend that they ask for help, don't just say, ask for help. Because the implication there that I took, perhaps this, is, this wasn't the intention, but the implication there is that you go and ask your bishop for help. Maybe in the rare case, your bishop is also a licensed healthcare professional. But I would say in most instant instances, they're not licensed healthcare professional. They do not have the tools to help someone in this sort of a situation. So maybe a better way to say this could be something along the lines of ask your bishop to help you find a healthcare professional to talk to. I recognize that the church is going to want to steer people towards professionals that are, that are members and that aren't going to uh, be too radical. There were air quotes there if you couldn't see them. I don't have a problem with him saying that help is available from God as well, because I think that there are a lot of religious people that do find comfort in deity. That's fine. I think what's missing here is the recommendation to seek a licensed healthcare professional. This episode was a bit more serious and personal than some of my previous ones. So I hope that I hope that it was helpful. I hope that it was enlightening. And I hope that it illustrated one of the problems that I see within the rhetoric of discourse in general conference and at church. 
That isn't to say that religion can't be helpful in the healing process of, of people, because it can. For some people, it works. And that's great. You know, if it's, if it's healing and helping people, wonderful. But not every solution works for everyone. There is no single solution that works for everyone every single time. There just isn't. <laughs> At this point, like I said, I'm feeling a bit raw and I'm having a hard time coming up with a good way to segue into an outro for the, for the episode. So if you haven't seen the Bo Burnham special, I absolutely love it. You should go and watch it. I might, um, might do an episode talking about some of my favorite aspects of that because I think there's some really interesting um, connections that can be made both to the deconstruction process and to the world at large. Go check that one out. When this comes out, Obi-Wan Kenobi will have started, so I'll probably be watching that one. But there's another recommendation that I do want to make. Uh, two weeks ago now, uh, the show Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix came out with a new season. And that is hands down some of the best storytelling that's being done in the digital media right now. They're collections of short stories, very creative, most of them very thought-provoking, presenting moral dilemmas and interesting, interesting problems. Um, some of them are graphic, so, so to be aware if you're sensitive to that. But they are amazing. There's a couple, this is the third season that's out, and there's some great ones in there. Every season has had one or two of these episodes that just stick with me because they present a really cool moral dilemma or an interesting way to look at the world. So if you haven't watched Love, Death, and Robots, go check it out. The new season just came out, and it's awesome. Wherever you find yourself today, on an on-ramp, on your way to work, or the off-ramp on your way home, I hope that you have an excellent day. <laughs>